You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. My name is Chris Spangle. Thank you so much for being here. We are going to talk about Speaker Kevin McCarthy, or as I accidentally called him, Mike McCarthy. Uh, Tad said he'd come and talk today about the Cowboys, uh, but I said we were talking about the Speaker. We have a Speaker of the House. What happened? How do we process all this and think about it as libertarians? We'll talk about that right after this. Warning, this show is for adults, produced by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. All right. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, Harry Price is with me. Harry, how are you? Going good. Go- well, I actually would be going good if the internet would just come up. Yeah, so we're here at the Doolittle Studios, and uh, things are progressing as we start to build out the studio. Harry has asked the internet people to uh, come in and set up a line and... So we can do live streaming on Saturdays. Where are we at with it? Well, they gave me everything I wanted inside the house. So I asked for a pure fiber drop, which they kind of did for me. They just sent it in the modem so I could te- they gave me the modem thing so I could test if it worked. But once we were getting everything set up, they discovered that I didn't have light coming to my house. They even actually ran a new cable because like, okay, it's going to be that old cable that you make. You've had this cable here for years. We'll just run one real quick. Uh, this was a two-sentence answer. Uh. Do I ever give a two-sentence answer? <laughs> I just, you know, honestly, that's your fault for having that. Especially <laughs> when you start talking tech. You don't, you don't just stop. Uh, so, so event, essentially, you're, you got what, a broken line? or? Yeah, apparently, like, yeah, light's not coming down here, which, which is awful because, like, I've had it there for years here at this house, and uh, now it doesn't. Now it doesn't work. Which, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably because I asked for too ungodly speed. If I would have kept it at the low speed that I had for years, you know, we wouldn't have this problem. Um, also, here is Reinhold. Reinhold, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. A little tired from uh, staying up all night watching Democracy in Action. I don't know what is wrong with me. As a libertarian, I got four and a half hours of sleep watching a Speaker's the House election. Uh, I don't know what's, but I'm, I'm a little punchy today. Um, uh, Vincent will find that out. Vincent, how are you today? Thanks for being here. I'm good. I'm here. Uh, I did stay up late last night, but I was playing Paladins with these <laughs> losers <clears throat> and watching well, as things hit the fan. With not, not with me. But. I mean, that that's not our fault. That's the your system decided to eat the eat the program and say it hates game it. That it won't run on my computer. Also, here is Paul. Paul, how are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Glad to be here. Do you anticipate contributing at all today? Uh, no, because you're controlling the mics. That's right. More than me, for sure. Well, I don't know why you two are here. I didn't invite you to. Harry thinks he's now the booking director of the show and has forgotten who Dear Leader is. Whose picture is above you? Uh, mine. No, 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 no. Whose picture is up there? Um, well, if you look on the cameras right now, it is mine. And uh, you if you see, the, see that? 
<laughs> what did you put a face filter on your, there to make every picture of me turn into you? You know what? I, I'm going to do that. That's <laughs> AI is a wonderful thing. I know. AI uh, is, yeah. Get that mic a little bit closer to you, Paul, when you're allowed to talk. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. like Harry, you invited, you had just invited <laughs> half of the wall universe to this podcast, and then we showed up today. I'm like, where does Harry get off inviting people to, to this show? I am the commander now. Look at me. But it, looks, <laughs> it looks like Loki Wong. Yeah, yeah. Right. Another episode of Loki Wong. Yeah. I invite everyone on the network because I am a very sociable person. Right. I love everyone. On, well, not everyone on the network. I love almost everyone <laughs> on the network, you know. So I try to you know, get them here and, you know. I understand. My, yeah. my contract that I signed with Harry says that whenever he asks me to show up on a podcast, I show up. We need to talk about you. That's fine. And you. What? You know what I'm going through. Yeah, well, it's a... Well, I I'm no happy idea. for you. I'm happy for you, okay? You. I'm happy for you. Let's, e- let's explain, you explain I have a hard-boiled egg. <laughs> you know what I didn't have on the way to the studio today? A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, which from Burger King. Oh, nice. Nice. That would have been t- tasty. It would have been so tasty. You know Chick-fil-A does breakfast? Shut up, for health, so for health reasons and financial reasons, this is the first <laughs> week in my probably entire life since stopping bottle feeding that I haven't eaten at a restaurant. And I'm sorry if my voice sounds weird. I'm, I'm <clears throat> getting over a cold. But the oil from the restaurant? Yes, I'm all dried up because of the <laughs> lack of omega-6s that I have not had this week. I've lost five or six pounds just in water weight. <laughs> my ring was mm. tight. My wedding ring, and now it's it's loose. <laughs> Just from not eating restaurant food for a week. Now we did our budget, and we figured out what's the thing we spend the most money on. Because we weren't really watching the budget; we were just sort of like, you know, we're comfortable, and so we we don't have to. You know, it's not like in 2010 where I'm like. I really want a Reason magazine subscription, but I just can't afford the $26 a year. <laughs> um, Can but, we assume what your top three spendings on your budget? Yeah, go for it. Um, I'm guessing Apple purchases, anything <laughs> Apple-related. No. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, two books. Books. Uh, books. Yeah. Um, books is number two by far of, of discretionary <laughs> spending. You know, not bills, but like just discretionary spending in my budget. Books is number two. Yeah, yeah, I would think number. Yeah, definitely that. And uh, let's see, number three. What is number number three thing? Top thing on your list? Honestly, I would have to say because used to be back in the day would be um, the what uh, sweet tea from accounts uh, from a sweet uh, yeah just sweet tea. No, that was Bittner. Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah, how yeah, Bittner so. got diabetes. Is he was he was drinking <laughs> a gallon of sweet tea a day from Chick Fil A. Um, it's not beat up Bittner. Okay. No, it was uh, number one was definitely food out. You know, we'd go out to eat, or I would like go on a walk and sneak down to Five Guys, and you know, and she's like, "You're eating without me," which was like, you know, how you get in trouble and you watch a TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, what triggered all of this was a Costco hot dog. <laughs> the Costco hot dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you so I went to the I went to the grocery, and I got us food. And I forgot, and I was like, I'm going to get me a hot dog. Because I, wa- I was, like, very hungry, mm-hmm. and I knew I wasn't going to be home for, like, another hour and a half. And, yeah, I was going to have dinner there, too. Uh, but at Costco? I, I, no. Oh. She was making dinner. <laughs> okay, sorry. sorry. 
And I, I, rookie mistake. I mean, LeBron James makes mistakes sometimes, you know, and I'm the LeBron James of eating out without my wife knowing about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. I pull. left the receipt in the box. Wow. And, wow. and she comes down, and this is the only time I have ever lied to my wife in the year we've been married. And it's the last time. She goes, We believe you. Why did you eat? I go, What are you talking about? She goes, you ate, didn't you? I go, no. She goes, you left the receipt in the box. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we've never really fight. I think we, this was the second fight we've had in the four years we've been together. Um, but then she was like, you know, open up your checking account because we have de- different accounts. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we are spending how much going to order pizza or this or that right like so you know health wise and money wise you just can't you can't do it right so we have made a pact i have been ordered not to eat anything out and so i'm dying i'm literally dying Paul, I'm going to pass away if I don't have a fucking Whopper. I'm not going to. I'm not sure. So if it's a budgetary issue, uh, one, I can float you a Whopper. I'm Uh, just saying I need dark money. I need Citizens United for my fast food habit. And and second, uh, (laughs) you know, if you're eating out without your wife knowing, you're doing it wrong. Why? (laughs) You don't. You. You had a wife and lost her. I'm not taking advice from you, Paul. So, also, you wasted your first lie on that. Wow, wow. Right. So, that's a gimme one. You know, I used car parts in a car. Well, wow. Got to throw the receipt away, man. So um, this might sound crazy. I actually was heavier, like, like significantly heavier than I am now. Yeah. Before I started doing like meal prepping and and doing that, when you meal prep and you have a meal set up at home, you like, spend like. Sunday making your meals for the week yeah. it's so much better when you just go home and go I don't have to think about you it I can just pull it out it. of the fridge and eat it mm-hmm. so I suggested that I have not announced it here I have on Facebook and on the pat down but Reagan is pregnant she's 17 weeks pregnant and so I'm living with pregnancy cravings now I have pregnancy cravings but I'm not allowed to go out and get a Whopper today Vincent I have to eat these fucking hard boiled eggs I mean, and so I wanted to do what you did, which mm-hmm. is, you know, let's, if we're going to really save money, let's go to Costco. By the way, you're going to save a ton of money at Costco or Sam's Club. 18 dozen bougie eggs are the same price there that the 18 white eggs at Walmart are. Um, and she said, no, I have to decide at mealtime what I want. Last night, what she wanted was peanut butter pie. So I woke up and uh, I was in a diabetic coma. Hey, you can meal prep for yourself, and then yeah. when things when she has a craving, you can just get what she wants to crave. Yes. You know? Yeah, so you like the worst thing it's, about all it's of strategy this, plan. The worst thing about all of this that I'm noticing is that you're eating the hard boiled eggs without salt. That's oh no! I, I, I have high blood pressure no. first of all, and I don't like salt. Like when I would go to like uh, you go to Culver's. <laughs> When you go to Culver's, so this actually happened. I was on one of my secret runs to Shake Shack about two weeks ago. Hold on, Harry. And I go, uh, yes, I'd like a Shake Shack burger, a double, but I don't want any seasoning on it, no salt. And I want fries with no salt. 
she didn't even know how to punch this into the thing, right? Because mm-hmm. I dated a girl in high school, and she said if you she worked at McDonald's, and she said if you want fresh fries, you've got to order it without no salt, and then just keep salt in your car and salt it because they have to make it fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, but I genuinely don't like the taste of too much salt because they oversalt it to preserve it. And so the cashier walks back to the griddle worker, a large black woman, and I walk over to pump my ketchup, and. I hear the lady go, uh, he wants no salt. What? Who would eat it like that? And they point over to the white nerdy guy, and they go, <laughs> start laughing at me. It was hilarious. They probably thought, thought that you think mayonnaise is spicy. Yes, Bro, exactly. Um, um, Producer Paul, can you pull up the sodium content on a uh, Burger King Whopper for me? Too? Oh, I'm sure it's a massive. Uh, That's why I've lost send your, five send your pounds. Send no salt over here. That's why I've lost five pounds. <laughs> But you know, and also the the whole trick of like, or before anyone goes like, I got a great idea. I'll just order no salt and try to get French fries. Fries. Yeah. What they're really going to do is take those fries, put them back in the fryer for a couple of seconds, and then dump them back in your thing. Yeah, that's okay. I, I want a little salt. Um, no, but what you you know, I'm. I mean, this, me too. This is poetic. It's nine hundred and eleven nine one one milligrams, <laughs> which is what you will be calling if you don't stop. But no, I mean, my physical health has to be a lot better. My, you know, it'll help my mental health. It'll help my productivity. So it's a good thing. And you're yeah. gonna have a child. I'm gonna have a child. Sure we need to around. save the money. My question is, whose idea was the eggs? Me, because I, I had okay. no time. I because had to, there's no way in hell Reagan signed herself up for what's going to be happening in a few <laughs> hours. <laughs> I don't know what... Ha- All right, so something is happening to my body, Paul. So you need some broccoli, too? So Asparagus. There's a book that you should have read when you were like a class or something you had when you were like 13 <laughs> that should explain all that to you. Something's <laughs> happening, yes. I have stopped wearing deodorant. No, my... Um, when when you change your diet, your gut bacteria is accustomed to a certain type of food. Yeah. And then when it doesn't get it, it starts screaming and wanting – because it's dying. And so it's – I am overly craving things like Burger King or I saw a – I swear to God, I'm not exaggerating like I want to do. I was watching television last night on CNN and every commercial was a food commercial. It was hello fresh. It was McDonald's. And then it got to a pizza hut commercial. And I, I almost started crying. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm in that bad of shape. That's called so, addiction. You're, I'm, you're, I'm you're totally going, addicted. You're going through withdrawals. I That's am going through withdrawals. Wow. I am 100% going through withdrawals. And I would just want to wean yourself off of it. I have nothing to look forward to. I have nothing to look forward to. My treat, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. I work from home. My child is three, just turned four, stays home all day. I'm with them all the time. My treat was to leave the house to go get myself lunch once or twice a week. Or I'd go to the gym and I'd stop and eat when I went to the gym. Right, that was my treat. I'm not allowed to do any of that anymore, and so I'm not. Not only do I have nothing to look forward to, my back gut bacteria is dying and screaming, and I'm eating a hard boiled egg. And we, I got here right on time. We were going to start at ten. These two jokers over here, who were not invited to the podcast, show up at eleven. You're completely invited. Whoa, whoa, whoa! And Vincent walks in. Vincent. It's actually kind of sweet what he did, but didn't mean it to be insulting, but it was funny. 
I started immediately complaining about the food that he brought to you, Mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite sandwiches that you turned me on to, Mm -hmm. and he had a sandwich. Mm -hmm. And I said, where's mine? Don't you know I'm struggling? Harry offered half his sandwich to Reinhold and Paul. Did not give me half of his sandwich. Vincent was at least sweet enough to walk up and hand me two chips. <laughs> I had you the whole bag, sir. You said you didn't want them. Get it right. I, if you're going to compliment me for being charitable, say the whole story. It's sir. funnier if it's two chips. Yeah. Um, but first off, uh, I know that you're struggling, and why would I make you reset your struggle? Okay? So I'm actually the true friend. I, if I by, don't uh, eat... And that uh, sandwich, I'm not. I'm going to pass away. Also, uh, Vincent is the uh, one of the co-hosts on the most. You know what is it? The rising star <laughs> the show on the network. The most yes. highest of the three active podcasts. You were number three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's your. Uh, yeah. Well, I also didn't know you were going through this struggle because I don't. I don't check Facebook at all. I have not posted which, about it. I'm just talking about which it. Which now it makes sense because he kept talking about like trying to work here at the studio. Like when we get internet here, can I set up an office here? And I'm like, what? Why do you want to set up an office? So I can hide so hide food in your fridge. The day before the Costco incident, I look at my wife and I say, "Next week, when the mailman comes, don't ask any questions. You're going to see a lot of books." come from thrift books and she asked questions and so i'm not allowed to buy books either and so harry's like you could just have him sent to the studio i was like don't you tempt me don't you tempt me to cheat <laughs> they had a they had a special down at half price books the other day oh, shut up ryan like 20 20 dollars yeah. for a bag. all right yeah. you're muted yeah well, you can get pallets actually delivered too, by <laughs> <laughs> i've had a worse week than mike mccarthy or Kevin McCarthy, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, he at least eventually got what he wanted. Yeah, I think he has a Super Bowl ring. Just uh, uh, yeah, I don't know uh, why he wanted. Vincent it, can but... give us uh, all of the Mike McCarthy stuff. Oh, the, the all right. Cowboys are terrible, and I hate before them. before we go on, let's take a quick break. All right, thanks for uh, rejoining us here. I want to thank our hundred dollar patrons, Jacques Idel. Jason Doolittle here, uh, the title sponsor of the Doolittle Studios, Christy Avery, Lars Nordskog, Matthew Durbin, Ryan Hold, and Vincent Peichel. Thank you so much for being the backbone of the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Uh, and thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, thanks to Mike O'Reilly, who just signed up yesterday. Uh, so if you want this show to continue, you've got to financially support us. Just go in there, you know, and earmark it as a whopper. Sign up for 10 bucks a month. Uh, that's what a Whopper costs now. And maybe put the Domino's pizza picture away. You fucks. Uh, <laughs> but maybe if you, you know, PayPal or Patreon the money and earmark it for food, that my wife will let me buy it. <laughs> uh, so we're going to order a pizza after this, right? And just have it delivered here? I'll pay you Tuesday for And I'm not today. doing it because she told me to. It was my decision, guys. Yeah, sure. Keep telling yourself that. It was. You're the alpha. I'm the man of the house. I'm an alpha. I'll go to Hooters if I want to. You made the decision. She just planted the seeds (laughs) and basically was going to withdraw a lot of stuff from you if you didn't do it. So you should have did that. Go to Hooters. This way your gut bile would just die (laughs) instantly. Just nuked them. Nothing nothing makes my gut biome react faster than Hooters. Oh, God. Those those breaded wings are... You have 20 minutes to get home. It's like like cutting a 
<laughs> you you don't get to enjoy the scenery. You have to go. There's a Thai restaurant I know that you yeah. might be able to beat that. <laughs> I've I've had a rough oh, week. Man. I've been at a, or so like a, I've been at a Hooters once or twice, and uh, the car broke down <laughs> at Hooters, so we were stuck there waiting on AAA. It was just like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> And having to go at Hooters, it is the worst. No, <laughs> it is and the, the bathrooms worst. are never clean there. <laughs> no, they no. don't clean them. No, I actually like uh, huffed it over to the uh, what was that? A Burlington Coat Factory, <laughs> Castleton. <laughs> Castleton Burlington Coat Factory yeah. was a cleaner bathroom. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we have had an exciting week. Uh, it has been um, highly entertaining to watch what has gone on. And I truly mean that. C-SPAN's ratings were through the roof. They had over a million people watching C-SPAN on Wednesday. And I'm sure that only grew. I didn't see any numbers after that. Um, But, you know, everybody was wringing their hands over the drama that was taking place in the Speaker of the House race with the Republicans. And, oh, isn't this terrible? And, oh, these... These are people are terrorists, Newt Gingrich said. They're agents of chaos, the New York Times said. Uh, Everybody was just beside themselves over what was happening. And I'm going to be honest with you. Not only did I agree with exactly what they wanted and wanted to do, I learned more about Congress this week, guys, than I have in years because I was glued to the TV, kind of watching what was happening, hearing the roll calls, learning the new players, I mean, I haven't paid attention to Congress like that in a long time. I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good exercise. And everybody's like, oh, this is just going to be the hardest to wrangle Congress ever. <clears throat> but you know what? What if it was like some sort of weird summer camp, Reinhold, where everybody just sort of gets along now because they've been through this experience together? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to, <laughs> to watch what's going on, but... Um, I think there's a lot of people making a lot of assumptions without understanding the background of what's happening and why it's happening. Well, let's start there. Start with the background. So after the um, midterm elections happened and the the red wave wasn't as big as everybody thought it was going to be, so there's a much narrow space, there are some people who got together and put together a plan to try to turn the Freedom Caucus into basically a third party that caucuses with the Republicans. Right. Right. And there's a, there's a group, um, CPI group at that, uh, uh, kind of put together this plan in place. Um, the, the idea was that they would, you know, say we want to have the real goal is getting the three people onto the rules committee or the, the the one that basically determines who's going to be you know what bills right. they're going to put in place, which is really where the power of the speaker sh- comes from. So they're demanding that the speaker give up most of his power by putting three members of the Freedom Caucus out of four spots on that committee so that they can run it. Yeah, and the Rules Committee is incredibly important because it's the one that decides what legislation moves forward. It uh, it's really like the the locus of power. Within it, so let's jump back even further. Who is Mike McCarthy? Mike, McCar- Mike McCarthy is a representative from Bakersfield, California. He was a state rep, former business guy. He won the lottery at nineteen, won I think five thousand bucks, 
use that money to uh, start a deli and became a business owner, became a state rep, and was really well known in California as A, a good fundraiser, and B, a deal maker with the Democrats, and seen as very collegial. Then he decided to run for Congress. I th- he got elected in 2010, I believe, or was it 2006? I think it was 2006 because yeah. he was running for speaker in 2010. Right. Okay. Yes, you're right. So he won in 2006 after there was a retirement, and then in 2010 was part of the Young Guns, Paul Ryan and Eric Cantor. <clears throat> and um, when they took over the House in 2010 under Obama, there was some talk. So John Boehner actually used to be the Tea Party guy back in the 90s. He was known as the rebellious rabble-rouser. If you go back and read New York, New York Times articles from when he first got elected to Congress and became Speaker, they all talk about how this is some great redemption in 2009 and 10. Like, this is a great redemption because he was kicked out of House leadership for being too, too much of a troublemaker. And uh, now he's a Speaker of the House. And Mike McCarthy comes in with the Tea Party Republicans in 2010, and he's the head of the Freedom Caucus or part of the Freedom Caucus, which was partly founded by uh, Justin Amash, the first libertarian congressman um, who claims to have coined Freedom Caucus. Go listen to him on Fifth Column and their podcast. He does a, a good breakdown of kind of the problems of Congress, and I'm echoing a lot of what he said. But Mike McCarthy is a constant thorn along with Jim Jordan and others, in the side of John Boehner, the former troublemaker who's now the establishment. And in 2015, Mark Meadows, who eventually became Trump's chief of staff, forces a no vote of confidence on John Boehner. Now, uh, Boehner decides to retire after that because he had been thinking about retiring after a very fractious, contentious period as Speaker of the House and uh, Mike McCarthy was always that troublemaker. He was the Matt Gates to John Boehner, who was the Matt Gates to Newt Gingrich and, and Dennis Hastert. Uh, <laughs> so it's just funny. So they come in in 2010 in the middle of a fiscal cliff drop melodrama where they don't know if they're going to pass the debt ceiling or not. And we're now in that same exact position with Mark Meadows as speaker. Um, so Boehner decides that he's going to resign rather than go through the humiliation of losing because he doesn't have the votes. But what's interesting is Mark Meadows was his number two and was the heir apparent to take that over, and Boehner resigned knowing Meadows was going to take over. But then after he makes his announcement resigning, Meadows' uh, chief of staff tells Boehner's chief of staff, that Meadows doesn't have the votes to be Speaker of the House in 2015. Why? Because he wasn't trusted. Because he was a flip-flopper, he was a liar, he was someone who Justin Amash describes as a person who doesn't have political ideology, just loves power for power's sake, and just loves the process of it all. He loves being a congressman. He is not necessarily there to do anything because he's, he says he's a conservative, but he's a California Republican who likes being significant, but isn't there like a ideological member of the house like Paul Ryan was or like uh, Ch- Chip Roy, I think is a very good example of somebody who's very principled, says what they believe. Um, and he's, <clears throat> he's, uh, McCarthy's more like Matt Gates, 
who really likes being a congressman for the platform's sake. Now, um, so McCarthy withdraws. They eventually draft Paul Ryan against his will to do it because nobody else could get the votes. But the same reasons in American Carnage, the book by Tim Alberta, cited for McCarthy not being speaker then are the same reasons being cited now for why the Republicans did not want McCarthy. So McCarthy... Um, well, it's interesting, too, that he, he quoted himself when he dropped out saying, I'm not the guy for this. I'm right. not the guy... At the time, is, yeah. This is, this is not what I'm good at. Not what I'm supposed to do. He had just made a comment in 2015 that the only reason they wanted to uh, to gain the majority was to... Uh, hold Benghazi hearings to hurt Hillary Clinton's presidential chances. Guess what the people's business will be for the next two years? Holding hearings on impeachment for Joe Biden to hurt his election chances on Hunter Biden's dick. So they're, I mean, laptop. So they are, uh, history is repeating itself a little bit. So let's jump back even further, right? Why are we here? It starts accelerating under Paul Ryan, but really for the last 15-ish years, the Congress, and it may be longer than that, Congress has not been operating in what's called regular order. They've been funding the government through continuing resolutions. The House is responsible for uh, all spending bills. So they should be bringing 12 appropriation bills to fund the 12 different parts of the government that they need to fund. And then individual congressmen or women should be, or Congress they, should then be allowed to introduce amendments to that appropriations bill or whatever bill, right? And what has happened since Paul Ryan took over and he could not get anything done um, is these omnibus bills that they've passed several times or continuing resolutions where they go into the speaker's office in Nancy Pelosi, Paul Ryan, or you know, even a little under John Boehner's office, figure out what they can get past, deal-make, create one single package, bring it out and say, we're voting on this in three hours, good luck reading 25,000 pages, and then voting on it. And we're coming off the heels of an election where Donald Trump selected a lot of bad candidates, and they lost a lot of easy pickups, And so now you have a very tight majority of five votes, which is the worst nightmare for McCarthy. And for all the preening from Democrats, this almost happened to them with Nancy Pelosi when she took over and the squad of AOC and and, um, Rashida Tlaib and others did this to her. She just won enough votes to make sure it didn't happen to her uh, and through, through good candidate selection. McCarthy did not do that. He was hamstrung by Trump, who's now taking credit for getting McCarthy elected as speaker because he was calling people last night and cajoling them through the week. But in reality, they weren't listening to him and they didn't care what he had to say. Uh, He's totally irrelevant at this point. But he does play a factor in why the last week has been so tight. Um, So what do the terrorists want? Okay, What the terrorists want... Are, are a few simple things. Um, I think um, you've got to separate these people out. Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar, these are like, you know, MTG and Gosar specifically are more conspiratorial-minded. 
Gates and Bobert are more attention oriented, where they want to use this as a, you know, Matt Gates at 6 p.m. sent out a fundraising email last night saying McCarthy will never be speaker under my watch. Donate now. You know, he can go to CPAC and say, I'm the guy that stopped the speech. Like, it's, it's a little bit about attention for them. Then for guys like Chip Roy and some of these other congressmen, uh, it is about the rules. They rightly see this as their opportunity to fix the process because the job of the speaker is to be the process person who brings and guides things to the floor. Dennis Hastert, child molester, uh, was not in charge of legislation. It was Tom DeLay, the majority leader, who was the hammer who cajoled people using earmarks and pushing them into voting for things or withdrawing amendments from the floor. He wielded his power as the majority leader. He was the most powerful person in Congress under Bush. Not Dennis Hastert, the speaker. And then they take away earmarks under Boehner. And the speaker now has lost the ability to leverage individual members or horse trade deals. And so they create the omnibus system to get the government funded to get anything done. And Nancy Pelosi then throws gasoline on that entire system, cuts the Republicans out completely, and just passes whatever she wants to pass. And so Mike McCarthy wasn't going to end that system. Mike McCarthy was going to use that system to do to Pelosi what had been done to him. And then these five Republicans stood up and said, if we don't take this opportunity of a slim majority to force some changes in the rules, we're never going to get back to what we need to get to, which is voting on individual bills, giving people time to read the bills, and making amendments from the floor and returning power from the Speaker's office back to the individual members of Congress and to the committee chairs to another extent. Uh, and that's what, the, that's what this was about. And I don't think that as Americans you can listen to that and go, you know what, I really don't want the legislators to be able to read the bills. And I really do think that Nancy Pelosi and Mike McCarthy or uh, Kevin McCarthy should be allowed to go and make bills without there being any transparency. I'm really against all that stuff. But when you watch cable news, oh, these terrorists and David Axelrod just goes, you know, this is this is just horrible. This is a failure of leadership on Mike McCarthy's part. What does he mean by that? It means that he's not enough of a bully to institute the system that David Axelrod helped design to govern in secret to pass $1.7 trillion bills. Mm -hmm. I'm not on David Axelrod's team. I'm on Chip Roy's team on this. I want every congressperson, and to a better extent, people like me, to be able to go in and go, you know what, we're, we're funding the military right now. And these three things aren't necessary anymore because the military, quietly this week, changed the ribbons that you would get if you served overseas from wartime ribbons to peacetime ribbons. The military, in effect, has switched from the war on global terror to operating in places like Syria in very limited bases and now is at a position of peacetime as a matter of policy. You didn't see that reported anywhere, but that's a significant development 
that we're we're happy that that we're cons- we're thinking about things in terms of peacetime and not wartime. So you probably don't need as much military spending, which was also one of the things that the Gates coalition, the Roy coalition was arguing, we need to cut military spending. They also wanted to be put into sp- certain positions of power on these committees so that they could uh, make sure that they didn't get lied to by leadership, where they go, yeah, yeah, that's totally cool. I'll put you on these positions, and then uh, they that doesn't happen, which Mike McCarthy has done a million times. Mike McCarthy was the whip under Boehner. They go through and pass. So Mike McCarthy and Eric Cantor are whipping votes to pass a piece of legislation for uh, a, a, a deal that Boehner had cut with Obama, and so they're getting voters to vote to yes. McCarthy votes last and votes against the package that he was whipping so he could then go back to his district and say, I was against that. <laughs> Meanwhile, not bamboozling his voters that he was the one that helped get it passed. This is the kind of guy that he is. So they have no faith in this guy whatsoever, right? So they uh, also wanted to reinstate the ability for any one member to call a no-confidence vote on the speaker. That was taken away under Paul Ryan. Well, Paul Ryan said, no, I, we have to get rid of that. Nancy Pelosi kept that because they have to pack a rules package every new Congress. And so they wanted to reinstate the ability to hold McCarthy accountable should he lie. It was the original, though, was you had to have a certain number of people willing you know, to, to, to make that call happen. Right. And it was like half of the you know half of the majority party right had to pass now they wanted that to be a smaller number so it was negotiated down to five that five people would be able to do it that wasn't good enough so they ended up putting in the package now that one person yeah can do this and a lot of people are going oh one person can call a no a no confidence vote on the speaker why don't the democrats just do that every morning and right. for every day and then Because they would have to then go through what they've been through the last five days again. Well, I don't think the Democrats can call it. I think it has to be because it's speaker that has to be part of the majority. Majority party, right. Just like the the Democrats. Yeah, I mean, you can call, but like Matt Gaetz has made it clear, like I would rather Hakeem Jeffries be the Speaker of the House than Steve Scalise or right like mm-hmm. steve scalise also comes with his own well, baggage he's he's obviously a guy that was shot at a baseball game by a democratic nut um but he also has said things like i'm just a mild david duke or something to that effect <laughs> well, right like yes. he, but he's he's you know he's disliked by the left for that reason he's uh also disliked by the right because he's just as swampy as mike mccarthy mm-hmm. so he was never an option and why didn't Steve Scalise step up and, and run for House Speaker and get rid of McCarthy? Because he probably didn't have the votes either, nor did he want to be hamstrung by all of these different rules that McCarthy had to negotiate and all of these positions that he had to negotiate. Now, the Speaker cannot place anybody on committees. It is the Rules Committee that does that, I believe. Um, and it's one of the committees. So McCarthy, you know... Like, probably can't guarantee the spending cuts in the defense because that's not his decision. He probably can twist arms to get people onto certain committees, but there's no guarantee of that. So all of this talk of him going in as the weakest speaker in, in modern times, 
from a libertarian standpoint, that's really good, in my opinion. It, it's, Reinhold, then everybody yeah, else can talk. Well, it's good, but then you've also now got a small number of uh, congressmen who are going to be directing and doing the speaker's job. They still have that power. It's just not handled by the one person. It's not handled by these other people with less uh, visibility. But that's, you know, it, it's beside the point on that one. Um, but that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to basically um, run things through. And the, what they're going to find out, though, is that uh, the Democrats still are close enough with numbers that this package they put together, these rules package, still has to be voted on by the entire House. Mm-hmm. And there's some things in there that are in that package. There's some good things in there. Don't get me wrong. There's stuff I want to see in there. But then there's some things in there that are not going to And pass. I saw a couple centrist Republicans in swing districts like, you know, Victoria Sparts, you probably saw her. She's the Ukrainian-born um, representative from a very suburban area of Indianapolis mm-hmm. who is now in kind of a swing district who was voting present. She wants to possibly run for the vacating Senate seat that hopefully Mitch Daniels wins, but probably Jim's, Jim Banks or Victoria Sparts will win uh, if Mitch doesn't run. But uh, please run, Mitch. Please, 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 please. please. I used to really like Jim Banks. He was, he's. I don't know what happened to that guy. Um, and Sparts, I, I just don't know enough about. But, um, you know, she's in kind of a a swing district where she's got to to be mindful of her votes. Mm-hmm. So there's several centrist Democrats who are saying, I'm not going to vote for these rules packages. So they may have elected a speaker and sworn everybody in and then never get to committees and committee assignments and rules and, you know, why they all had to sit. So some people have asked why, uh, well, you never take anything to the floor and then have humiliating losses if you don't know if you have the votes, which is such a anti-democratic way to think to begin with. What we witnessed was democracy in action we're all better for seeing the process out in the open in my opinion yes um but they they legally had to convene congress to make this vote on the day that they did and they can't do anything else until they could adjourn but they have to come back and keep doing it so by law they kept having to have the votes and then as time went on you know there was one congressman whose wife had a stroke and he had to leave um ken buck had a surgery one uh, rep had a baby born this week and is in the NICU. Uh, but they f- one had a surgery and had shown up to vote like t- two hours after surgery or something crazy. Caesar Rodney, right? Or Caesar Rodney, yeah. So there were all of these different people like trying to get there or getting there. And uh, you had to be physically present because mm-hmm. in the rules package, they will pass a rule that says you can do proxy voting. So I can be in my district, and I can say to Harry, Harry, vote for me, mm-hmm. and Harry can vote for me. But the constitutional regular order, not the phony baloney rules that they pass, is that everybody has to be present and vote like you've seen through the past week, which just shows you they're arguing to try and fix a broken Congress. I don't know that all of their motives are pure, but when you look at the lot of the list of demands or listen to somebody like Chip Roy, you go – yeah, this makes sense to me. But then the framing on cable news is they're terrorists. 
It's it's sort of just anti Matt Gates bias. Go ahead, Harry. I think like the best part about this week is like showing everyone how the sausage is really made for this for this type of process. And the proxy voting thing that really got me was people like saying like they need to be able to proxy vote, and you get the same people talking about it like, oh, they can't vote by mail. Oh, we got to stop all this voter fraud stuff. It's like, yeah, but you're up here going same thing for for proxy voting. What the heck is just the same effing thing? But yeah. you know that, that that's that's my own. Well, thing they're take, they're trying to take the vo- proxy voting out of the. In the rules, package, yeah, because removing it. because yeah. when th- what they do in secret, you know, it's why McConnell's votes secret. Somebody asked me, "Do you think Rand Paul voted for Mitch McConnell?" I said, "Absolutely, yeah. of course he did. They're in the same state. They they have an agreement." Ron Paul actually told Justin Amash when that Meadows vote happened in 2015. Ron Paul called Justin Amash and said, "You should vote for John Boehner as Speaker. You shouldn't participate th- in this." And his reasoning was. As an institution, we should do these things, mm-hmm. right? We should, you should, uh, al- you can disagree with the speaker and the way that he may do things, but do you really want to like disrupt the norms of the body, right? So within every libertarian or every you know conservative libertarian leaning person, there are two wolves, and I have those you two need wolves, three. right? Right? There's. <laughs> There's the inside of me is the institutionalist that understands the process and the need for having norms. Uh, you know, uh, it took Vladimir Putin 20 years to fully tear down the democratic norms and institutions that were built in Russia over eight years. And so when everybody freaks out about January 6th, which was a despicable thing and was an intentional insurrection by Donald Trump to delay the peaceful transfer of power. It doesn't require us to do a 9-11 vigil every single year, in my opinion. I think you're, you're overdoing it to have a, a national holiday to be mean to Republicans. That's, mm-hmm. that's Joe Biden's goal, right? But the, the danger of Donald Trump being able to, in a single day, destroy the democracy of 207 years, like... It's not possible because these institutions are so deeply bent, right? Now, norms can erode, and you can have mob violence erode things. You read Mike Duncan's book, um, but that, that can definitely take place. But, you know, we uh, – I forget my original point, but well, go ahead. Uh, Antifa did also do the same thing like six months prior. They tore down gates and breached a lot of places in D.C. of the White House and actually force the city president, Donald Trump, into a bunker underneath yeah, and, set fi- and set fire to a church. Yeah. So, you know, it's... Uh, well, Paul. No, Go ahead, yeah, Paul. There's a... I do want to That's bring a good up, point here. I, I want to bring that. up something. Oh, one. Hi, Paul. If there are two wolves in you, watch the sodium content of wolves. <laughs> uh, two, uh, Harry was right. You do get to see a lot of the process... Uh, that we normally skip in all of this. Uh, you know, they didn't have control of the C-SPAN cameras the way they normally do <laughs> yeah. to focus in on The things. speaker controls the C-SPAN cameras, which is why you got to see Matt Gates talking to Sheila Jackson Lee. Right, right. no. That was what I was going to bring up. You s- never see Matt Gates talking to an adult woman. So the fact that we got to see that <sighs> right, was... Funny. That's a good Amazing. joke. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm back, so back that how much you called him Mike McCarthy the entire time, I know, and not yeah. Kevin McCarthy. I know. Uh, but yes, my two wolves are one the institutionalist that says, you know, these democratic norms are really good to protect us from wannabe tyrants like Donald Trump. 
But then there's also the libertarian part of me that's like, fuck them and let's light the hospital on fire like the Joker, turn around and watch it blow up and be excited about it, right? And I think uh, a lot of us struggle with that. So, you know, my initial thought was respect the institution and go full Ron Paul and say, fight another day. But then, you know, when you start listening to Chip Roy, you go, these points make sense. Because my first initial reaction is, if Matt Gates is for it, I'm probably going to be against it. He has some good points, but he's just such a loathsome human being in general. Uh, you know, there's like a there's like a spectrum I have. Like you can be right on policy, but if your if your substance is right and your style is so egregious, I just can't. I, I'm not with you. We are very aware you have a spectrum. Thank you, Paul. Yes. And that most of us here... I, on I'm not going to sit here and take that from low-key wall. <laughs> Your entire logo is a spectrum on purpose. I mean, I, I didn't approve of the logo. I'm just saying. I, I 100% approve of the logo. I love our logo. I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's amazing. Yes. I just can't get my QR scanner to work. What are how people have tried to scan it? Like, is this a QR, something hidden in this thing? So, I mean, when you, Harry, as an anarchist, watched this past week, like, do you care? What do you think about it? How do you, how did you watch it unfold? Well, yeah, I do care because the, um, well, basically the uh, privateers on the TV screen that once, that I've never met, um, wants to control my life, are sitting here, and it just, like, a- amazed me that. So all I have to do is get enough of my friends elected to Congress in the right in the, in the majority power and just screw up and just make sure they never get a speaker, and I can shut the freaking government down for a bit. Well, at least until the ominous bus bill, last ominous bill yeah, I mean, gridlock, runs out. <laughs> gridlock is not a bad thing. Yeah, but the moment the government stops getting underfunded, then everyone's going down like that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, you can't, you can't. Did, it, did anyone find the answer of whether they were getting paid the entire time that they weren't sworn in? I don't think so, no. Oh, man, that's even sweet. No, I don't think they get paid, and all the staffers don't get paid. Okay, and, I feel yeah. bad for the staffers. Yeah. No, I feel I, bad for I think that I, I think they get all that. I, okay, as long as the staffers got paid, I'm yeah, fine. Because there's, the, there's talk about that they didn't really have to have the swearing in. They were still elected there, and they from that day they were representatives. They just weren't technically sworn in, but that doesn't mean anything. That gotcha. Technically or legally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's like a government shutdown. Like, that's that's the trouble with it is... Government shutdown. Quotation right. mark, government shutdown. It doesn't really shut down. Like, Joe Biden will do just what... what uh, here's what we've got coming up, okay? So here's, here's the choice, because you're going to see all kinds of shit on Twitter from, you know... Everywhere. Radical libertarians who don't actually know anything but are, are all style and no substance, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have a debt ceiling vote like is coming up, or you have a vote on a continuing resolution later this year where you have to fund the government, the reason the CRs and the omnibus bills were created is because the 12 appropriation bill process no longer worked because people hijacked the pro- process and you had the government shut down, right? The government shutdown, people really freak out about. Mm-hmm. And Obama engaged in all this theater of like closing the Washington monuments and mm-hmm. you know shutting down all the all all the different stuff. You know, yeah. it, it, it's all theater. It all it's like the speaker's vote. We were going to have a speaker. It's going to get done within days or mm-hmm. a week or two. 
You know, so whenever anybody tries to tell you the government is shutting down or there's not going to be a speaker, they're lying. It's usually people on the left or in the establishment who are saying, you know, this is very horrible and this is very bad and these things are awful and all these consequences are going to happen. And that's not really how it works because like in a government shutdown, the non-discretionary employees, which is like a ridiculously silly amount of employees just don't go to work and don't get paid. Mm -hmm. And then when the thing gets passed, they get their back pay. Correct. But the important parts of government that keep you safe for the weather service or all that junk, they, that all still, you know, social security checks still go out. Like military still is paid. Weapons are still purchased. All that still happens. But you know, still gets their missiles. Okay. There may be like two or three less security guards out at a national park. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's like during the lockdowns, the non-essential employees of the government. Like, mm-hmm. why, why did we bring those people back? Let's just f- cancel those jobs. So, you know, you, but the debt ceiling is a little bit different. And this is one of those quirky things as a libertarian where you watch all this stuff and you go, government shutdown, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Y- you, you have a lot of functions of government. Like, what kind of libertarian are you, I guess? Are you a collapsitarian who thinks we should just tear the system down in one fell swoop in a single day and we can rebuild it in a libertarian manner, which is considering our culture insane? Mm-hmm. Yes. Or do you want to gradually reform it and change it from the inside? Which I think you can argue is also kind of equally insane. Maybe less insane because you uh, can still show up and be a part of representative democracy and move your locality further to libertarianism, which then moves your state, which then moves your country. Um, you know, the re- look at the Republican Party, for instance, and how it shifted in a generation to be less interventionist in foreign policy. That will only continue to grow, right? So you, it, it still is possible to make changes, but it's not fast enough for impatient people. Now, the debt ceiling is, uh, like... I think anybody a libertarian would kind of go, no, I'm not going to vote for the raising the debt ceiling. But what's the consequences of not raising the debt ceiling? It's defaulting. So what happened in under Obama is the credit rating went from AAA bond to AA bonds. Mm-hmm. And now the, in the, the debt service that you have to pay increases – exponentially and so by 2030 just at the rate we're at the biz- the biggest expense in the government by 2030 will be interest payments on the debt it will eclipse what makes up 66 percent of the government which is social security medicare and medicaid okay so somebody called the u.s government an insurance agency with a military <laughs> and that's basically what it is Accurate. those four things except now it's interest payments it's going to be a trillion a year your share of the national debt is three thousand dollars currently and when you default on by not raising the debt ceiling that number that you are now responsible for as a taxpayer goes up Reinhold, i was going to say there's a third option that i fall in the camp of is where all these there's functions the government are doing that are things that need to be done but they don't need to be done by the government so the way you get around that is not by collapsing it and then trying to rebuild those institutions or those things to take over. You build them first. You prove that they work. You get people using them so they're not dependent upon the government function anymore. You get people 
um, methods to do, you know, Medicaid insurance or, you know, for themselves or um, health insurance, something like that, or, or even just Social Security. Yeah. If we had plans in place and in private non-government organizations that were run appropriately and run focused and not subject to politics on the decisions on what they do to run, they could take on that functionality to the point where the government would then say, we don't really need this anymore, so let's go ahead and get rid of it. So some kind of like the how the FCC and ICANN works with like domain name rules, like that on the internet. Because the right now, like um, if you go buy a donut domain, you don't go to the government registered domain. You go to a domain register, which gets their approval from like ICANN and stuff like that to register with domain names. Um, if you wanted a radio station, like so, if we was trying to do a talk radio show, if we wanted to spin up, because we've got the tech, I can spin you up a radio station, and give you a number. But in order to do that, I need approval from the FCC, and that ain't happening. That no, because we don't have tens of thousands of dollars a year to pay them for the license. Correct, but the technology is easy. I've got the technology in the basement just left over crap in the basement yeah but like the idea of trying to even get the number of the frequency like the fcc is so behind on that that they decided in the early aughts that they were just going to throw away 30 years worth of application telling everyone just to reapply (laughs) but yeah but you you used to have to have an operator's license Mm -hmm. to work in radio you used to have to go and like pay and take a test to run the board yeah Yeah, it's not that hard the test is not that hard like literally you can look at the practice test if the people that I, I work with on a daily basis pass that test back in the 80s, believe me, it was easy. Yeah, it's super easy. Not like, especially with the uh, technicians, like Radio 1, for, it's easy because they took Morse code off it, so it's 10 times easier now. You ever yeah. done a test on Coke, Vincent? On Coke? No. No, okay. Well, as you know, I haven't either, but I would have in the 80s. It would be, imp- be impressive if I was able to get, get <laughs> that Man. nowadays. Now, even if I did, I probably wouldn't have. You probably wouldn't be a secret at this point. Now, Vincent. First off, it's and the I also 80s. don't look like I've been on Coke. It's the 80s. We're doing Quaaludes. Okay. <laughs> now, Vincent, what have you learned today? Because I know, did you follow any of this at all? I, I only knew about it because of memes, for the most part. <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, I, I didn't even know it was happening until I was like, oh, now we're on the historic 17th vote because he <laughs> failed again. You know, no, it's not that many, but you know. Well, the best meme that the best memes that were coming out weren't even about no. McCarthy and all. It was it was the Santos memes that were the best. Yeah, explain who this guy is. Oh, um, so Santos was elected to Congress. Got to talk directly into that mic, right? He was elected Tilt to Congress. Tilt it up a little towards your face. I don't remember where he's from. I have to look that up. It's but somewhere in New York. It's in New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was found out, and I don't know how this happened. Because somebody fell asleep on the job, on the Democrat side of the aisle, because it was found out pretty uh, easily after he got by elected. a local paper. Yeah, right? by local, that, that he was lying about so much his background. He didn't, you know, he, he's supposed to be in the military. wasn't in the military like he's supposed to. And there was all these lies that he had put into his resume that they found out. They started looking into and found out. Uh, Oh, this one's not right. This one's wrong. You know, this has been lied about. This is not quite right. You know, he was just lying about everything to the point now where even the Republicans in the House are going to, after all this, you know, now the speaker's in place and they can start getting into business, they're probably going to vote to have him thrown out. Okay, so here's a list of his lies. That he is the biracial descendant of Ukrainian Jews. He was actually born to Brazilian immigrant parents in Queens. Uh, he has repeatedly said he is religiously Catholic and is a non-observant Jew. 
Santos wrote that his maternal grandparents were Jews who fled persecution in Ukraine and settled in Belgium and fled once again during World War II and finally settled in Brazil. Uh, he lied that he attended an elite private... Excuse me. He um, attended an elite private school, Horace Mann, and Baruch College. Um, he had to withdraw because of his financial uh, inabilities. No evidence that he ever went, according to CNN. That his mom died on 9-11. Um, she was a domestic worker, in reality a cook, a nurse. Uh, so she died on December 23rd, 2016. 15 years after uh, 9-11. That he was a Wall Street big shot. He was not. Um, he After his graduation from college, he said he went to work for Citigroup. Nobody's ever heard of him there. He said that he ran a charity that saved thousands of dogs. The charity never existed. Four of his employees died in the Pulse nightclub shooting. Uh, he's openly gay. He's an openly gay Republican. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> right? I know there's questions right? about that, too. So, yeah, there could... Because apparently he used to be married or something like that. Okay, so... This sounds like <laughs> the biggest fake it till you make it I've ever seen. This sounds like somebody is cosplaying How a politician. How did the Democrats fall asleep to the point where they missed <laughs> uh, this? Okay, so he said he's always been openly gay. It now appears that Santos, according to the Daily Beast, may have not been completely open about his sexuality. He failed to mention he was married to a woman with a divorce only finalized 12 days before he launched his congressional campaign in 2020. Now, this this sounds a lot like by erasure here. Yeah, exactly. Right. He uh, said he ran a family firm worth of millions. I just told you that his mom was a cook and a cleaner. Uh, in his campaign biography, he said to be a managing member of a country. Uh, but yet his disclosures said he received a seventy seven hundred fifty thousand and one million in dividends, so he's probably going to jail. I know campaign finance, uh, the FEC has opened up an investigation into him. Said he managed a real estate empire. Um, he uh, so that that looks like the end. Uh, Gothmas also has a list here. Let's Are you see. sure he didn't like sponsor cryptocurrencies somewhere in there too? Yeah, yeah, or like lie that he, well, you know... Said he had a brain tumor. <laughs> like said he worked with the Eagles well, when they won the Super Bowl or something? Well, who knows he's not like D.B. Cooper. I mean, we right. don't know anything about this exactly. guy right now. You know, if he had the brain tumor, that explains everything. <laughs> <laughs> that might Could be the be. one true thing. But the funny the funny part was watching when the kid... Cause <laughs> the, the 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 house camera, the C-SPAN camera, is being able to actually show you what's going on there and not be staged. Right, you were seeing him being completely avoided by people. There was one. There was a story about one guy who went up and said, "Hey, how you do?" You know, a new rep, an, another says, rep went up to introduce yeah. himself to the guy sitting alone. Yeah. Said, "I'm George Santos," and the guy goes, "Oh, have a nice day." Yeah, <laughs> Could have been just because he said he was openly gay, not not that he was George Santos <laughs> with them. Well, but yeah, no, well, but yeah, for me, most of this stuff I've learned through memes and seeing that it's yeah. happening through memes. I didn't watch any of the movie. I didn't watch any of the, the movie. movie, basically, because it's <laughs> like, well, let's watch this happen on real time. I'm sure. I don't watch cable. I don't follow social medias and stuff, so mm-hmm. I didn't even know most of this was happening until I saw a bunch of memes about it. Well, I'm sure the what? Daily Wire will make a movie about this. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so... What was your impression before this episode, and what have you been surprised by? Oh, I'm, I'm not surprised at all. All this, is, all this proves to me is that, you know, the, the flaws of the two-and-a-half-party system. Yeah. <laughs> that there's, two, there's two, and no, one, two and one-eighth, let's be honest. Well, I'll say half because we're, we're mixing all the other okay. 
uh, independent parties well, together. Two and one tenth. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things. There's the, there's no way to have subtlety in the conversation yeah. when there's people who have completely different thoughts and ideas of on the same side, but they can't go, well, I don't, uh, I have to vote with him even though he's a terrible person and I hate him and he's done terrible, unthinkable things to other people, but he has this, he's red, so I have to vote with him. Right. Even though I hate him and he doesn't agree with 99% of what I say. Yeah. I think there's something good about like this group of people going, you know what? No, I'm not going to just continue to like, I promised people like chip roy is a glenn beck guy right i have promised my entire career to come to washington and read the bills and i'm in a position now where i can do that and i'm a fraud if i don't actually stand up you know like that's why like the matt gates lauren bobert crowd was mad at marjorie taylor green because she apparently cut a deal in support because she promised to bring those people over Mm -hmm. uh to mccarthy's side that didn't work but she's going to get committee assignments again. So McCarthy's cool with her now. And then she was using... So uh, Rosenberg, I think, was the, the rep last night. There's this great picture of Donald Trump on her phone as she's trying to hand the phone to Rosenberg. Yeah, like, and he Keep it away from me. Yeah, don't don't do I don't that. that to me. Yeah, why would you do that to me? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's just so many great... So That's all the image of the, the congresswoman reading the book of the art of not looking like you don't give a shit. Yeah, the art, that, that yeah. Kind of stuff. Katie it's, Porter, who's going to run in uh, just, California for Senate. The whole thing is... is It definitely feels very... Like, you can tell that nothing's going to get done, like it never does anyway. Well, because then. even now, they couldn't even agree to do this one thing, even though they have this majority. And I agree that they're fighting for what they want to, and I think that's a good thing. But it's what, it just proves to me, like, oh, cool, this is going to be another Congress that gets absolutely we, nothing done. We have to talk in, in pictures. Obviously, there was uh, a fight, almost, mm-hmm. where there's this picture of Rep Hudson from North Carolina putting his hands over the mouth and restraining Mike Rogers from going after Matt Gates. So do you? So there, Vincent, were five people who were expected to buck on the speaker's vote. They go into a conference, a secret conference, I think on Monday. And when they take the vote later, it's 19 people. And everybody's going, what happened in that conference? What happened was Mike Rogers, who was head of the Armed Services Committee, the War Committee, went in there and threatened everybody with removing committee assignments, threatened them and said these deals are going to be off and all kinds of like crazy stuff. So they all went, well, then Gates is right. You're going to lie. I'm going to vote against you. Mm-hmm. And then Mike Rogers tries to beat the crap out of Matt Gates. Maybe this guy should be watched. Maybe I mean, he's, yeah. he is who uh, Matt, people think Matt Gates yeah. is. And yeah, and it threatened the people who was like, we're going to use all these establishment money to like primary you out. You're not going to yes. do They're going to go after you. And someone like, who like barely got in or doesn't have a lot of money in their war chest was like, okay, fine. Then I, I can only hit you this way. Then I'm going to hit you. Exactly right. That is the one part that I think is going to be a real problem for them is the deal that they cut with the club for growth. So moving forward, what's going to happen with this session? I don't know. Probably the same thing. Well, but a, a lot of what the they're going to pass I missed that. Okay, so David McIntosh, former Indiana congressman, mm-hmm. is head of Club for Growth. Mm-hmm. Club for Growth, like Americans for Prosperity, like the uh, Grover Norquist group, Americans for Tax Reform, mm-hmm. there, there are 
like you notice the conversation. There's always a lot of conversation about what do these outside groups think yeah. because super PACs now run politics. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they have essentially destroyed the power of parties and have turned representatives into constant machines for donations. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the way that politics worked when I, when I was coming up, you join, you become a precinct committeeman, then you become a ward chairman, mm-hmm. then you become a county chairman, then you become a state chairman, mm-hmm. you know, or you'd run for office, you'd be a precinct committeeman, work for other candidates, then network for 10 years, become a solid pe- member of the party, then the party would then help you get your open seat, right? Mm-hmm. Now... Now the way that it works is that you it's like racing. So the way that racing used to work is you'd start in midget cars and you work up to sprint cars and then you'd start in ARCA and then you'd get into NASCAR and the team would just have sponsorship because the you were Craco wanted to sponsor Bobby Ray Hall, right? You always had to find maybe a couple sponsors to kind of support you up that ladder. Mm-hmm. But now you're not getting an IndyCar ride or a NASCAR ride without having the major sponsor first. And so Congress works the same way where they have to constantly fundraise because the parties have been hollowed out and weakened over a 50, 60, 70-year march from the Tammany Halls and watch, watch uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington and it was a statement against party rule. Mm-hmm. But the thing about political parties is that it was an institution that acted as a filter mm-hmm. and it, it put up people who were legitimate who were good or bad or kept crazies like George Santos out. Um, now, after Citizens United, that no longer exists. And even down to the state house races in your state, mm-hmm. even down to local races like mayor, it's all about fundraising mm-hmm. and it's all about PACs. So if you want to run for a, a city of like Indianapolis, you've got to have a super PAC where you can have fundraising bundled together to fund your campaign because you're not going to be able to do it on private donations. Joe Hogsett has $3.5 million. That isn't from private donations. That is from Lilly and Anthem and other employees in these major institutions who don't want to be identified, so they donate to his PAC. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you hear a Club for Growth and Americans for Prosperity. So that's why the Cokes in the Tea Party years started building up all of these institutions like Americans mm-hmm. for Prosperity because what they wanted to do was to fund PACs that selected people like Justin Amash or Thomas Massey and send people like Paul down there to work on their campaigns. So, you know, because Massey isn't going to be able to raise money from his district to pay Paul to go work for him. He's got to have major money funding mm-hmm. uh, an AFP to go and work for him. And so Club for Growth is one of these major PACs, one of the most powerful PACs. Mm -hmm. And part of this conversation is big donors are calling these reps and are very unhappy, and they need to get it together. But it's not the Republican Party is very dismayed at all of this because the Republican Party doesn't matter anymore. The party structure doesn't matter anymore. People don't go to work for parties anymore. They go to work for campaigns. So McCarthy has a PAC. And the, you know, all the Dallas Cowboys, right? And so the um, pack that the speaker controls is a significant pack that helps candidates get elected. And a lot of these 19 were elected because of money 
that he spent on advertising and volunteers or campaign workers in their districts to get them over the hump. Yeah, the PAC did. He had right. control of that because he's in control of the PAC. Right. And so what the Speaker's PAC wants to do, what it's why people hate Mitch McConnell. People don't want Roy Moore. If you're, if you're Mitch McConnell, you don't want Roy Moore. You don't want Todd Aiken. You don't want... Um, Cheryl, what's her face from uh, it was Atkinson in uh, that's a writer, uh, Christine O'Donnell, the witch in New Jersey. They've lost 10, 12 easy races, right? Mm-hmm. Herschel Walker being yeah. the, the best example recently. They don't want those Dr. guys. Oz. So, Dr. Oz. <laughs> so, the bad candidate selection has come from the fringier packs, the Trump packs, the Cl- Club for Growths. Whereas the speaker's pack and the McConnell pack goes out and finds a local state rep who has a solid voting record as a conservative mm-hmm. and maybe not be, maybe he won't be as flashy. Like mm-hmm. you don't know Todd Houston, the speaker of the house of Indiana, cause he's really boring, yeah. but he's a solid conservative according to conservative beliefs, but he's not Matt Gates. He's not Jim Lucas, right? Mm-hmm. So they go and find and recruit kind of a boring guy mm-hmm. who is a strong business owner or is uh, so- somebody who is going to be more loyal to the speaker and McConnell than Donald Trump or the fringier elements of the race. And so the speaker's pack threw its weight against Club for Growth, AFP, all these different packs and said, if you spend here, we will punish you in some way. So the deal was cu- was cut with Club for Growth that in safe primaries mm-hmm. in Republican districts. So let's take district. Uh, so district two. Um, unfortunately, Jackie Walorski passed away, and there was a primary for her seat. And you you'll get the speaker's pack that will come in and select um, uh, an Aaron Houchin who won the seat. And Club for Goth will support a, I don't know who their choice was, but you know I think it was like a younger guy who was a lot more of an election denier and a lot more Trumpy, mm-hmm. right? And so the soul of the Republican Party is fought in these open seats that are safe for Republicans. Mm-hmm. And Club for Growth got the ability to, to openly spend and got the speaker's pack to not spend. So you're going to end up with more Trumpy, Gatesy, five votes against you people if you win the race because they're going to be selecting people who can't even win the race. I mean, how many safe districts did Republicans lose this last time? The the most that John Boehner ever had as a minority as a speaker was two thirty four. Mm-hmm. He's got two eighteen, right? Mm-hmm. So there's probably twenty seats, and that is with more redistricting. Yes. Five of the people who were part of that 19, I think the number's five, four or five, are only there because of redistricting, like Lauren Boebert. Mm-hmm. So they did agree not to... They have a ceasefire on close races in swing districts, like Sparts is here in Indiana in District 5, mm-hmm. but it's open season in 9, 8, 3, 2, right? So... Six, if Pence retires. So you could end up with a the next Congress, the Republicans lose more seats because people like a Vincent look at this guy and go, or gal, and just go, 
I don't want this Trumpy piece of shit. I'm going to vote for the Democrat. Or he may look at like a Mitch Daniels Republican and go, all right, that guy doesn't seem crazy. And I kind of am tired of inflation. So I'll vote for that guy. Right. Mm-hmm. So you may end up with more Gates's and Boberts and MTG's because they're trying to put install those people. Or you may end up with more Democrats because those people aren't going to get elected. Elected. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of the stupidest part of the agreement that I don't know that I agree with. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with these nutty Republicans, right? Like, I know they're probably my best chance for limited and <laughs> government lower taxes, maybe cutting spending. But then when I look at the uh, Trump administration, they didn't do that. <laughs> so they're not really to be trusted. Yeah, no. they didn't do it during Bush either. They didn't do it any other. Yeah. I mean, it's so. That, that's one of the things, too, is they're putting in a program now, instead of pay-to-go, pay they're doing cut-to-go, which basically says that they're n- never going to raise taxes. They're only going to cut from budgets in order to bring the debt back down, which is never going to actually work. So it's mathematically impossible. Yeah, it's not going to work. They're yeah. going to, if you want to cancel, if you want to deal with the debt, you're going to have to raise taxes temporarily for a little while. And get that money in there. And he's not being a rhino or a lino. Like, yeah. that's just the math of yeah. the situation if you study I mean, our debt. And the I mean, I don't it. want it to happen. Yeah. I think yeah. that they should be cutting, you know, but. We are I, anti-tax. Yeah. We are anti-read my lips. No new taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're going to end up raising taxes mm-hmm. because they've overspent too much. Right. And you have to keep the world in turmoil because the only thing that keeps the U.S. dollar being the world reserve currency is that nothing, there is no other alternative. No one can do use anything. We else. are in a military industrial complex Ponzi scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. Everyone's like, oh, because everyone's like, oh, you're going to use. I got to say it. China. We're going to use, but no one can trust. China. You can't trust China. That's yeah. why they have 250 million COVID cases this week. All right. Yeah. You know, and the, that's with their numbers. Okay. And can't use the Russian. You can't use Russia. Um, the EU keeps screwing themselves with every new thing. And you know, and then is Britain. You know, give them the world reserve currency. That's what they did with the British pound. They made an empire. I just watched Madoff, um, an American monster or whatever on Netflix. It's really good. Madoff took in 19 billion dollars. People thought there, I think it was 96 or 69. I think it was $96 billion in existence. Mm-hmm. So basically, what Madoff would do, and he only ever really had between seven and eight billion in his bank account. So people would invest with Madoff, and then he would take their money and he would make trades. What he really did was have this complicated computer system that faked trades and printed them out and mailed them to you. So it looked like you had investments on paper. But really, it was a Ponzi scheme. And the only way a Ponzi scheme works to keep it from collapsing is that you have to keep feeding the machine. Mm -hmm. So you've brought in $19 million. You've got $19 billion. You've got $8 billion on hand because people take out their investment, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to keep the system going. And the problem with the American way of government under progressives, both left and right is that you continually have to keep funding the war machine. You continually have to keep security engaged in places like Ukraine. Mm -hmm. You continually have to keep funding jobs and inflating currency because the second you let off of the gas and return to regular order and return to a non-interventionist foreign policy, return to a society that doesn't just print money Mm -hmm. and doesn't operate on an MMT, modern monetary theory principles, you have contractions or you have 
collapse at the very worst. We're not at collapse yet, but we are at contractions where if you slow down, you will have joblessness of 10 to 15%. Right. We're at 3% right now. Uh, you know, and so you have to continue the scam. And so, look, I am not a fan of Marjorie Taylor or, or Matt Gates or Lauren Boebert in any way, shape, or form, generally. But in this particular case, if we can use their vanity to achieve the goals of Chip Roy, which are sincere, I'm for it because I think we are at a point where we have to take pain when it comes to the economy and inflation and our economic system. We have to take pain Mm -hmm. with the military industrial complex. We have to take pain with the way that Congress runs. It needs to return to being the most powerful branch and not a toady to the president. Mm -hmm. And there is no way forward to get back to a sensible government without some measure of that pain. Um, But on the other side, we will return to being a more prosperous nation and the nation that we all were promised in school, especially Harry. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, that. I, thanks for bringing up the definition of the Ponzi scheme because that's what the other thing. Like uh, when they try to tell when someone said uh, Social Security is not a Ponzi scheme, it was fact checked. It's not because Social Security is up in front about like, yeah, you need to keep feeding in Social Security, so Social Security keeps paying out. Right. That's, that's the difference between you know how most of the crypto market things happen, where they they were just like, oh, everything's perfectly safe as long as you keep putting money in it, and then when they decide to go, you know what, I'm going to use this money for something else, and the thing they invest in crashes their whole system crashes and now the person who creates it is in jail well um no he's out actually out still now, spending yeah. Many, money yeah yeah it's it's fine it's fine it's perfect fine he's on house arrest on in his jet um <laughs> <laughs> oh no no he, he's in jail because his parents called the jail and asked if they can give him vegan meals through the jail oh nice Hilarious. nice 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 Glad our, our prison system can give that. Um, I figured you'd be pro Sam Bankman free, oh, considering you have not. the same haircut. Oh, wow. 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 Oof, wow. Man. Insulted. Am I wrong? I, I am insulted that you would think that I would appreciate Sam Bankman freed when he's a terrible human being who lies about everything and refuses to acknowledge anything. Same haircut. Am I lying? No. No. That's a different haircut. Yeah. No, no. Not at all. Okay. There's not enough curls here. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's a difference. Paul, do you have anything that you'd like to add? Uh, I I do want to say that I think that Vincent said something very profound earlier, that they've spent two years arguing for control over the House. And optically, it, the fact that they can't, for a solid week, form a government, mm-hmm. like, thank God it's a year and a half before they have to start worrying about electing and the populace will forget about this because there's no way I would vote for any of the clowns in office. Right well, you now. haven't seen what they're going to do yet. So, cause if you look what's what they've done in the, in the rules, what they have listed in the rules that they want it to be, you can get a sense of what they're going to try to do. And it's not, there's some things in there that, you know, I mean, it's going to cause a lot more chaos too, and like people bo- don't like chaos. Yeah, like border stuff. We're yes, not going to be for the, the whole. The, the was it the the Holman rule or what was it? I can't I remember, remember what that was called. Right, well, you know, yeah, the the Holman rule, it, and it was start. It was a rule that was put in place by a former Indiana congressman back in the eighteen hundreds. But it basically gives uh, the government, the Congress, the power to fire. Uh, workers fire governmental workers right um 
and it was used and found to be technically kind of unconstitutional when McCarthy used it to get rid of a bunch of people because they were so you know communists as right. they were. So because they were using it for political purposes instead of budgetary purposes, and so they're wanting to put this rule in place to where you can vote on budgets. You have twelve different budgets. You can vote on them, and the only amendments you can apply are these. Do we reduce the number of people in each of these? Right. right. So they can target who that is and cost money. And also putting something in there that's uh, eliminating the ability for staffers to or, or unionize, which you know, free association, should, should, no. I mean, you know. No, they're public employees. There should be no, no unionization yeah, yeah. on public employees. Yeah, one, pub, yeah, public employees should not be able to union, unionize. Second, um, communists are people, aren't, aren't people. They have no constitutional <laughs> rights whatsoever. True. They're not people. <laughs> Um, yeah, they're, they're also floating Massey leading up a church commission, uh, to investigate the FBI and look, I'm all for oversight. Investigating, investigate, investigate, but investigate the FBI with what? The worst part though, is they're, they're taking the January 6th findings, all that, that committee did for two years. Um, they're, they want to prevent that from going to the National Archives and instead be directed to the Congress where then they can do what they want to with it. Right. Yeah, they don't want it to go to the what? National Archives. Yeah. In the rules. <laughs> yeah. They don't want that out. What? Why? Which that, that'll just get replaced when the Democrats get back in. Some Democrat will put that back in. Wouldn't they want that out? Because they want to mem- no, they want a memory hold January sixth and pretend it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. I thought their whole marketing campaign was like, oh, this thing is a files, this is nothing, blah no. blah blah. So the last the episode cases, the last episode in the feed is the one we did with the people who were at January sixth. Mm-hmm. One of those people now does not think it was a big deal. Shook on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But yeah, memory over time, that. they immediately started memory holding it. Yeah, they're, and they're saying that the, this wasn't there was no organization here. I'm like, we have people convicted now in, in two organizations that were organizing, yeah. and there was a pipe bombs, and they had all this stuff going on, and communications with the White House, all this stuff we found out during all that stuff that uh, was very interesting. They're trying to just say on that, that it was just uh, people. T- Walking. See, it's the easy. police it's, let them in because so it couldn't have been a, a riot. It's, it's easier to memory hold it, so they don't have to explain anything that's in there that might be questionable. Paul, Paul Gosar was one of the organizers of it. Mm-hmm. He's one of the five that was trying to to dick with all. Like they want yeah. they want to cover their crimes so they don't go to jail. Well, they but were the, they weren't they asking for pardons like oh, year, really? a couple of years? Yeah. At, oh yeah, yeah, from 6th, Trump. Yeah, yeah. They were asking for him the next day or yeah. something like that. We want pardons. The the FBI thing is. Uh, a lot of it surrounds the Twitter file stuff and how much influence they have over social media. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was actually a Slack channel. There were so many former FBI employees working at Twitter. They had their own Slack channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, like the and this is nothing libertarians haven't known forever. We've been making jokes for a decade about you know hi, you know me Your getting fan. together with my friends, mm-hmm. and it's me with FBI people. Like that's not. This generation of libertarians think they invented that meme, but we've been saying that forever. Exactly. Free Talk Live knows yeah. that intimately well. Exactly. Like, yeah, when you have a libertarian meeting, like, you know, at least probably, like, there is a Fed probably at this table. I remember in 2009. Look at me? How dare you? Yeah. It's obviously Paul. No, it's definitely Paul. Yeah, yeah it's definitely Paul. Paul. Yeah, it's definitely Paul. But um, People would think it's Reinhold because he's a leftist and pro-narrative, yeah. but it's Paul. 
Oh, yeah, it's definitely Paul. Yeah. Sure. Why, why else would he be working so hard on campaigns that he fits mm-hmm. in? See? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Playing that long game. His Big G- brain plays right there. G-Man haircut. Oh, yeah. It could be Vincent because he's trying to throw us off right now. See? See? Right? <laughs> right? That's what they do. It's so, so confusion and division. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah, I remember back in the LP, you know, in my LP days, like, there would be, you'd talk to people from around the country at conventions and they would know who the Fed was that would show up. There was one at Tippecanoe County when I would go up there. Like they'd pull me aside and they go, "Don't say anything in front of this guy," like because the couple of the people who were in that county party were like militia people, mm-hmm. and so there was always one guy who came every couple two three months that are meeting, and everybody knew who he was. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just been a thing forever. Yeah. So it's that kind of stuff that they want investigated, and they really like want to crack down and go like, "What are you doing to cut yeah. down on dissent?" We used to play that game at a pork fest. Yeah, was find the Fed. Right. Who can find the Fed first? You know, because yeah. the Fed usually does show up. You know, especially at pork fest. And I think even uh, if you really want to know, like if you're really paranoid about this stuff, you really let it help you out. There's a book called Rats. I forget the author of it. It's free out there on the PDF. It's called Rats. It's how to deal with agent provocateurs, um, undercover people, how to spot them, and how what to deal with them. I will tell you, like the first off, if you think you have like a Fed or something in your mess, the best thing to do is to just stop communication. Do not think you're smarter and think you can feed them information. Do not do that. If you really think they are, just move away. Just walk away. Erase your computer now, and walk away. Most of the people listening to this podcast are not being investigated or watched by the FBI. Well, it's usually the, the yeah, people just like Adam Kokesh back in the day who was like bringing weapons to fight the man in 2014 on mm-hmm. the lawn of the Capitol. Had feds in his circle, mm-hmm. uh, but most of you are, are not being watched by the FBI. Yeah, yeah. but if you are, yeah, yeah. there's I'm not that many people. agent provocateurs. Yeah. No, they don't have that many people. I mean, right, it's, it's only so. Many, it's like it's constant surveillance. Like everybody's you know watching everybody. It's like at some point you have to go. There's not enough people to watch everybody. You, there were 527 the, false flags last year alone. Yeah, and most com- there's not that many paid actors. Yeah, and the best data engineers actually can go through and come through this data, data are working for a lot of the like Fortune 500 country company that are Google, out there. It is really hard to find a good data engineer. Like I've I've worked for several companies that just taken ones and just trained them or like oh you get two years experience good enough we'll teach you. <laughs> most of you are not dangerous enough. Yeah. To, and that's to be. that's the thing too is that you get into the you get into that space with people who see that conspiracy around every corner. It's the FBI's done this, the FBI's done this. The FBI. it's like, they're doing some things, don't get me wrong, but they're not doing everything. Some of the stuff you see happening is happening. Yeah, yeah. They also do some BS things too, because they, they, they are some certain people they want to go after because they believe they either have information or they can try to squeeze ah. or use people around that. Talk about Ian. Yeah. I don't know if he's guilty or not, but... What, what what's happening with Free Talk Live? All right, so everyone, uh, probably a um, long-time institution in the liberty movement is Free Talk Live. Ian Freeman of uh, Free Talk Live uh, was... Nationally syndicated radio show Nationally podcast. syndicated radio show has been on the air for, you know, over a decade. Free State Project. Free we are on LRN.FM. Yep, we are on LRN. It's a great radio station. They even had, like, satellite beaming liberty content into Africa and on, on free-to-play free to, uh, sat- satellites around the globe, spreading the voice of liberty out there. Um, I've been to several different conventions. Like, I've been to... Uh, Keenvention, freak, you know, um, there with the Keenshire, great stuff. But Ian was, and, and the uh, uh, crypto six. A lot of people have probably seen like the crypto just, six. Just going want you to know, while Harry's going, Reinhold and I are both going to the bathroom separately. <laughs> 
but we're both getting up from the table while Harry talks. Wow. Paul, you've got control of the program. Producer Paul. Okay. All right. So um, the crypto. So everyone probably has seen like the Crypto Six movie, or seen what maybe have seen like the support the Crypto Six. Riveting movie. Well, it's at least better than AOC's movie. Um, <laughs> so basically, the Crypto Six had a uh, set up a Bitcoin exchange in Keene. It was really small. Well, not Bitcoin. It was just more cryptocurrency to help people. Be- Scoot up, please. Oh, Scoot up. You. Scoot up. Thank you. I thought you were losing weight. anyways the um we were where was i uh so they're just helping people out with cryptocurrency in um, new hampshire it's been happening for years like this was this where you get the pizza day stuff like that they actually like may like uh bitcoin actually come from the digital space into the real space that's that happens in new hampshire these are the people that are doing this thing they Basically got hit on money laundering charges because people were calling into New Hampshire and calling up um, elderly people, setting up a scam. The sc- uh, and they were trying to get them to, instead of getting gift cards, they're transferring, they're getting their cash and trying to get into cryptocurrency. And they were using Ian's exchange. So people would go, uh, and since Ian was very, it made his exchange very easy for people because, you know, no matter how easy Bitcoin crypto has gotten, there is still no grandma just button with it. So it was, he was mostly acting almost like a bank. You sit there, you help them out with their wallet, give them their cash, and helping these people get on the crypto. But people were using um, Ian's exchange to scam other people in New Hampshire. And the FBI alluded that, well, you're a money launderer. Holy shit, he's not done yet. Well, I mean, he had to stop like seven times. Yeah, so. they they kept so they basically like convicted him of money laundering and running an unlicensed exchange. Uh, an exchange. So basically, you have to spend this massive federal license and have all these different records in place if you wanted to do all this. Which you just basically just people ch- exchanging money for tokens or math, especially for something that the United States government doesn't even consider a currency. They consider Bitcoin and crypto as assets. So basically, someone just taking assets like that uh, into turning into. As much money. as I'm not into Jeremy Kaufman, uh, and hit, but they've gone after his company. Too. What is his uh, video exchange? Not library. What is it? Uh, I think it's library. Is it right? library? Yeah. 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 And he's being targeted yeah. by the government for the same thing. And they're going after the, the, wor- the worst thing about the Ian's case is that all these people, the other people that they brought in to testify on the case, they were distraught to find out the FBI is just going after Ian. They're not going after the scam artist. One of the ladies that was there at the trials was talking about, I am in contact with the scam artist still. They're still contacting me. What are you doing? No, we're just doing this. We're going after Ian. And that is it. And the investigation is over. They're done. They are walking away from the thing. They're not going after the scam artist. They're just going after Ian. And that's the BS stuff that people like get tired of the FBI. It's like so like you can actually get the bad person. No, 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 no. Because they've been going after they wanted Ian for decades. They've been wanting to get Ian on something. I don't know what. Don't know. I don't understand why they think he's very powerful. What he controls, or if they just I'm, I don't know if they were trying to use him to flip other people in the Liberty space to do different things. But it's makes no sense. Probably just set an example since he since he is seen as a, such a big voice. Well, the Look, other thing I is I mean like the free the Free State Project has for, I mean not as much now. You know the. Mises caucus merging with the the new right and and all the, you know the Charlottesville crowd like yeah. 
Uh, I'm not saying all the Mises caucus people are that way, by the way. Um, there's just a lot of regular dudes who want to do politics. I get that's what the Mises caucus is. Don't write me. Um, but there are a lot of uh, people in the GOP and libertarian movements that are militia-y. Mm-hmm. But for there for a long stretch, mm-hmm. the, the nexus mm-hmm. of the most dangerous group of people, mm-hmm. the Maya types, yeah. We're in the Free State Project, Correct. and Keene was ground zero. Like, yes. if you're talking about domestic terrorists in 2010, I'd go to New Hampshire. And well, they, so they probably, it's probably not a, it's, it's not a crazy assumption. Like, let's say I were um, a foreign power that wanted to spread misinformation in America about American foreign policy. What congressman would I try to get that my agent to work for? Probably Ron Paul, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's probably a safe assumption that they thought or think that somehow, you know, there's he, something else. There's going something on in there, at, right that these people there. can't just love liberty; they have to be violent offenders of some sort and i'm also, not saying they are there are also a lot of that like a lot of them did like come to pork fest and like wondering we're like because uh, they see a lot of people walk around openly with guns or stuff like that yeah they were people who openly want to talk about violence how do we especially like Cause cause the people who were was, in charge in these in, in these groups like the fbi yeah they were agents who were part of the Janet Reno administration. Yes. Well, Ian is also big on the Arcadia now. stuff, like the seceding from the New Haven, New Hampshire, the New Hampshire secession movement, seceding, New Hampshire seceding from the union and taking Maine and Vermont with them, just getting the heck out. And it makes freaking sense, especially with $34 trillion in debt. The first one out the door wins. Okay. <laughs> the per- last person holding the bag. Uh, sorry about you. And the reason why like, Oh, New Hampshire can't su- succeed. Yes, it can. It's got a deep seaport. It can get the heck out. Just like anything else, you know, it, what, what? And it's got a fiber connection. Dine ENS is right there. A lot of times when the internet went back out in 2010 or what happened, something happened in New Hampshire, took out US East. So, da-da-da. you know, so yes, New Hampshire can succeed, uh, succeed from the, uh, from the union, regardless of what everyone thinks, you know, it, it can happen. Uh, so I can understand that aspect. But the secession movement isn't that, that huge in um, um, New Hampshire. Like it's still there. It's larger in Eastern Washington, I think. Right. The, the other what's the other side of the like the NRS coin is the um, the uh, racist West Coast um, um, uh, liberals out there. Yes, I called them <laughs> racist liberals out there. The racist. As like, if you want to see some white nationals and really racist white people, they're not in the south of the United States anymore. Most of them are up in the Pacific Northwest. If you don't believe me, yeah. take your take your black friends up there. You will discover it real quick once you yeah. get out of Portland. Yeah, this is uh, something that James Neese had to teach me. Uh, was that you know you racism? Want, well, where to find them? This is. Uh, where to find okay. them so you could get friends? Fed, fed. Dates. James is literally going through state by state and identifying what what the things you do. All right, know I know, him. bro. You got me on this heroin charge. I promise I'll give up, uh, Vincent. Uh, bro. <laughs> no, no, no. Like uh, it was a. Uh, ch- we were on a Discord call uh, educating somebody from the Czech Republic uh, where to find all the racist white nationalists in America. Like, yeah. ah, no, no, Spokane, Washington. Mm-hmm. That's where you want to go. Right That's there. funny. All right. Uh, by the way, I just want to clarify. I said Aaron Houchin is the District 2 rep from Indiana. It's Rudy Yakum now. Um, 
She is District 9. Just one clarification, because we are committed to facts as best as I can remember them from all my research over the last week. Why can't everything be like District 7? It's going to be Audrey Carson for the next 50 years, and it's going to be easy. Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, final thoughts. Harry Price, final thoughts for the show. Oh, man. I'd like to apologize that I don't have internet access here. Um, I tried my best. I even ordered a new fiber line so using the old fiber line that, I, that that has sustained me for years, but even that one's broken. And we tried. Um, but with all this, um, I think the best thing is, so if you're listening to this podcast, you you know, you watched this. This was your, uh, you know, best thing you're going to get for playoffs in this dead 2023 year. There's not much is going to go on right now. And I didn't expect all this kickoff to go off. I expected it to be boring. This week to be super boring. Not much to talk about. And boy, was I freaking wrong. Um, but if you're listening to this, you're political, you're into politics. You know, like just what a dear leader did today and polled Vincent. Do that with your friends. Find out what, like, don't. Push anything on yourself. Just like see what your, how your friends perceive that to help. If you just need something to you know, just to see where their headspace is going on with it, and use that to you know, like see where their opinion or even help shape their little bit of their opinion. So that's my recommendation. That's my final thought on this, Paul. So I think that the Republicans are squandering their chance to show that they are the adults in the room. Uh, I think that. For, I mean, they're not going to win any allies with their behavior. And as good as the goals are of this small group, uh, I think ultimately it's going to be self-defeating. I don't see a path forward that actually wins us anybody who's interested in smaller government actual concessions from this administration. Yeah, I think it's way to be seen because you don't, I think everybody predicts that it's going to be, I mean, past is prologue, but. Everybody sort of expects that it's going to be a long two years, that they're not going to get anything done, the debt ceiling, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. You don't know that for sure. And I, I'm always wary of people who kind of say that. But I, I do agree. I think when you are the minority, and we live in a center-left country now, like at least in terms of the cultural zeitgeist, it, this isn't 1995 where it's a conservative center-right country. It's now center-left, and everybody's sort of against you. You know, you you you're already seen as bomb throwing anti institutionalists, mm-hmm. but I, I get why they did what they did. But yeah, I I, I agree the perception, but I, I think the Republicans have kind of gotten to a place, Paul, where like they know the perceptions not on their side. They have built their own institutions, like they've gone full um, Andrew Breitbart and have built their own institutions. So like they've got the Daily Wire. Their people listen to the Daily Wire. Mm-hmm. They don't listen to CNN. I'm a, I'm a right-leaning person that watches mostly CNN. I tune into Fox News and like, I don't know, the news isn't just as relevant to what I'm like. Fox News kept interrupting their coverage to talk about the serial killer in Idaho. I don't care about that. I want to watch like analysis of the, the house thing, you know, and so they have so many morons on that channel. Like it's just unbelievable how many stupid people they have on these panels. Uh, but you know, maybe, uh, I guess, uh, it, well, I'll save my final thought for Amash, but go ahead, Vincent. Uh, all this really did show me is, is the reason why I have so much apathy for politics. There's a lot of it is, 
it's sometimes it feels like it's just for show because the president was televised the whole time. A lot of it feels like that nothing's going to get done, and it looks like children playing kickball when they're in in middle school trying to pick favorites and trying to go. No, my team's better than your team, and I'm going to be better than you. And then nothing happens. They never play kickball, so they can never make a team make, work at all. Yeah. So it just makes me feel more apathetic, and then I start caring more about what they're going to do with the NFL playoffs because they decided to cancel the Bengals-Bills game and not replay it because of the play- the player had cardiac arrest on the field and that, that they could potentially have like a coin toss to see who gets home field advantage or if they're doing an off-site location to be who, who play the AFC championship game than any of this. Yeah. Reinhold? And I guess the... Indianapolis was selected as a possible place and they said they no. asked, yeah. Well, they had a... It, it kind of sucks, but Indianapolis has made its bones as a convention city mm-hmm. and hosting big events really well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so they've got a volleyball the, tournament. The volleyball, I know that we all, Indianapolis also hosts like the big Pokemon like tournaments Gen, Gen as well. Con and Not all. just Gen Con, but literally yeah, like, the Pokemon Gen World Con. Championships, both the games and the card games like, and all that stuff, is in Indianapolis. The Gospel Coalition, which is the big reform conference every year, is always here. FFA. NCAA. FFA, yeah. So they wanted to, but they have this volley. They're like, we're excited. Uh, we're going to be at hotel capacity just because of the different events going around the city. And then they've got Lucas Oil's being used for a 30,000-person volleyball tournament. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, shoot, <laughs> I guess we could have had 150. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, well, but I suggest you just move it up to Carmel, you know. It's probably the, ex- probably the exact same, you know, stadium, okay? <laughs> so I, I kind of am on the opposite side of Vincent because I think that it was – getting me more involved in you watching what was happening is like, okay, now I want to know who's talking to who, how is this happening? Uh, what deals are being cut? You know, what's going on behind the scenes? There's still a lot of stuff that went on behind the scenes. that was not visible on the camera. I'm um, way more interested in Congress mm-hmm. this week than I've yeah. been in years. And, and I, I just, I just find initially looking, I read through, I was reading through the rules package going, Oh, okay. <laughs> and finding things in there and just being like, okay, I see what they're trying to do. And that's, that's where I get, excited with politics is that part of it and what i find interesting is, is a lot of people think oh if we just didn't have a government we wouldn't have politics and we wouldn't you know have this situation i'm like no you're still going to have decisions that have to be made about things that are common to everybody in the in the in a, a location they're still going to have to talk and, and deal and make you know make concessions and and agree to to live in peace with each other. It's nerd drama. And so there's always going to be, that's still politics. It's still happening. So all we're doing is we're seeing it codified and rules put around it inside of a political Mm -hmm. structure like this. Um, Is it the, maybe the best or not the best way to do it? I don't know. I mean, that's hard to say, but I guess if you compare you and Vincent, Mm -hmm. right? Like people watch sports because they don't take it that seriously. It's a game, right? I think, to people like Reinhold and I were into like I'm watching last night like I'm watching a sporting event, right? I don't take it as seriously. Like I know the consequences of government are life and death for millions of people. Mm-hmm. Um so it is very serious. But I think if you reject the tribalism or just sort of the apathy and watch it for its entertainment value and get to know the characters and understand the processes, it, it becomes less like, oh, screw those guys. This is all stupid. They're all crooks. And more, 
this guy is a crook, but these three are good, and I'm interested in this, right? You see, that, that's why I watch wrestling and watch anime, because it's the right. same stuff, but it's less of when they fuck up, it ruins my life. Uh-huh. Right, oh, really? So, w- wasn't there a recent uh, instance where you were watching some anime that really fucked up your life? Oh, no, that was his life. I fucked up <laughs> Paul's life with that anime, not me. Who would be talking about that on Monday? How okay. dare you make me remember that? <laughs> that wasn't my life, it was Paul's. All right, so... I want to end on Justin Amash, because he was actually serious about this whole speaker thing. Uh, he, here's, uh, you guys can give your opinion in a second, but here's, here's where I'm at with Justin Amash. There isn't a person probably on earth that I agree with politically more than Justin Amash. Like, I'm a constitutional conservative. I'm a libertarian. I believe more in Hayek than Rothbard. Like, I think Justin Amash is a brilliant person. I think he's uh, an excellent uh, messenger. I think he's, you know, he's bipartisan without being compromising. Like, I just, I, I admire and think a lot of Justin Amash and many of his abilities. I have been disappointed repeatedly by Justin Amash. Uh, I, I, I don't. I'm not going to betray confidences, but you know, I sort of gave him a pass when he dropped out of the presidential race because he couldn't win and didn't want to do it the way he wanted to do it. But it was the first time in a pattern that I have seen behind the scenes of Justin Amash not wanting to lead because it didn't benefit him, and. I don't know why you would elect him as Speaker of the House when he can't even organize a caucus in the Libertarian Party. And I do lay some blame on Justin Amash for the takeover based on the stuff that I know that I'm not going to tell you in that Justin had the opportunity multiple times to step up and be the person that rallied, uh, that people like me rallied around and said, you know what, I am going to get involved. I am going to get back involved and be a part of this, and I'm not going to let those guys win because now we've got a path with somebody I believe in. As opposed to, I, I'm just not going to get involved to stop those guys. That's not, I'm not, I, I don't want to do that. I don't care enough about the institution that much, like Paul does. Like, but if I have something to believe in, I'm going to care about it and get involved. And he was the only guy that could really do that for a broad base of people. And he didn't for whatever reason. I I mean, I don't know what those reasons are. But I've been disappointed with his leadership ability and the choices that he's made in, you know, where he spends his energies and time, you know. uh, And so I thought, like, him wanting to be speaker on Twitter was sort of like him just sort of like, I'm going to say these things. But then he showed up, and it was just sort of like a little bit desperate and weird. Uh, and I think it was a, a, a ploy for attention because he's planning something. Maybe he's going to run for president, but I've heard that he has said he's not going to run for president in the LP until they get their S together, which is hilarious because he's the person who could have helped them get their S together. He still could. He, he still, still could. could. Um, wait till somebody else does it. Right. Mm-hmm. Now there's an open Michigan, a Senate seat in Michigan. Maybe he runs in the primaries a Republican or a Libertarian there. Maybe he runs for president and he's starting to be more active. I've seen agents of Justin Amash start to post more in groups 
and promote him a little bit more. So maybe he's got something going on. But I don't think that people in his camp or him understand that the people who would be natural allies to him, like my audience, um, like the Prags of old, not the Prags. I mean, even the Prags of the Joe Bishop henchman era are, are, are very salty at more salty than I am. Um, but people who had been involved 10, 20 years ago, who just don't see a point in getting involved in libertarian party politics, he could have given us a reason. He chose not to, for whatever reason, he will have to explain that. And I think he thinks he can ride in on a white horse and just win a nomination without any kind of grassroots team. When the party is fundamentally transformed by a group of people who have their own organization and the opposite doesn't exist because they collapsed and disappeared because he didn't step into that vacuum. So I think the slog is going to be a little bit harder than Justin thinks. And being on Glenn Greenwald's podcast and Michael Malice's podcast every once in a while to get his name out there does not mean that you have the grassroots support to win in the delegation at a convention. Um, he, he said on the, the, the fifth column podcast, like his dream job is speaker. So I, and I believe that like he wants to return the process to where it needs to be. I'd love to see him speaker, but I felt like it was a very like tone deafy type thing. And he doesn't, he's not reading the political room, um, because he gets a lot of very reasonable, right attention and credibility in media circles it's if he had run for president he would have been on meet the press every weekend and had been a contributor these last four years but he made choices to not do that stuff and you know when i talk to people across the party i'm not speaking for myself because i don't care that much i'm telling you as an analyst what i hear about where he's at and why chase oliver was drafted because they don't trust Justin to be reliable. Um, but I think he thinks, well, I'm Justin Amash. They'll get over it. That ain't how libertarians work, is it, Paul? Maybe you've heard something different. You're far more active in the party than I am. You well, tell me what you think. So I've not heard much other than he is not looking at 24. Uh, but what I will say is if he was upset... And- He's not looking at 24. Let me interrupt you there. Neither is... Anybody else you think might run for president, except yeah. for Chase and except for Dave Smith, apparently, who has his own very real issues with even his own people in terms of how he has treated them. And the, I think there has been some sort of deal cut with people that might want to run for president and not running in 24. And I'm, I, I, I would just not be surprised if that there have been conversations with Dave Smith that they're not going to run because they don't want to challenge him. Again, an abdication. But the thing that I'm observing is he didn't run in 2020 because he wanted, he didn't. It was the pandemic. Well, he couldn't run the campaign he wanted. Yeah. So you're going to be hands off for the next eight years minimum and not build the party into the machine that can run you into the presidency. Or delegates, or a caucus, mm-hmm. well, or speaking at conventions is fine. Nice, very nice of you. The thing is, like, we have no chance of taking the presidency. And if you think that you're going to take the presidency, 
you have to build that machine first. Mm-hmm. So build the machine, please. Yeah. Anybody. We're I, desperate. I desperately wanted to support Justin Amash, and he has let me down at every turn. You know, so I'm not sour on him. I understand that there were reasons why he didn't uh, pursue the campaign in 2020. I just would like to see more investment from the people that are that are demanding something change. And quit being cagey about it. Tell everybody what you're doing and let everybody rally around you instead of the old, oh, I'm just thinking about it. Or <laughs> And as much as I have criticisms for the current administration in the LP, I have just as much anger and animosity for the people that have just decided to take their ball and go home and not actually fight the fight in the conventions for the heart of this party that you claim means so much to you. Mm -hmm. Show up and do something. Yep. I think for those of us, it doesn't mean anything anymore, Paul. (laughs) Like I, I, I love, I love the people. I love going to libertarian party events because my friends are there. But I don't, I don't have the same view of the Libertarian Party I did when uh, ten years ago. And that's fair if you've legitimately moved on from where you were then. But what I'm seeing from a large swath of people is, ah, uh, well, I just can't associate with it right now. Right, and it's like not not. I'm not talking about Hudak, but the Fakertarian group is just as obnoxious and right. And you're just like, I'm I'm I the the big what, what's the I'm leaving? You know the big quit that everybody does has done in message groups forever. Oh, like when you're leaving the group, like I'm. You don't have to announce that you're leaving. leaving. Just leave. Just leave. It's like not an airport. Yeah. There's a thank you. There's like a lot of that that goes on where you're just like I'm. Virtue signaling to everyone that I am no longer associating with these bigots. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of groups where people think I'm mean, like, oh, aren't you? And it's like, no, I left a long time ago. Yeah. I just left. It's very I, mean, I haven't easy. been active. I, I haven't been active in the LP really since 2012. Mm-hmm. I served on the Central Committee for a year, half-acidly in 2016, because I went to a Central Committee meeting, the steering committee of the party, and they were talking in 2016 about questions we had answered in 2009. It's and I'm sure every party's like this, but it's a goldfish party that just blinks every three years and like resets its memory, and it's a huge problem. And I thought I could be some institutional knowledge. I wasn't very effective, and it just you know well, they don't my, my care about institutional knowledge. They want to they they think that they have the better idea and they're going to do it the right way. And that was the problem with yeah. the people who came in. You know, recently is that they they pushed out all the people who had been there for yeah. years and had done that we've we've done this before we've had this exact same thing happen before it failed because of reasons we know what right. the reasons are we're trying to explain it to you oh shut up get out of here that yeah. happens in every part it happens yeah. in the gop uh, you know my republican friends will tell you that that resetting of the memory is so bad. Well, you guys had no good documentation. You had no training uh, manuals. You guys had nothing. For we it. did. They, they came they and didn't. had to create all that stuff. I, I created all that stuff. He's talking about the... Well, the, I just, the, there's, a rec- oh, there's a recent the thing that they were saying that, that yeah. never happened. I just, it's just, it well, chaps my ass. Like, there was, there's no training. There are no manuals. And I'm like, okay, here's the manuals from the last 50 years that I have hoarded because I'm a hoarder. Well, did, mm-hmm. did we make sure to get those archived with, like, Somebody at National, maybe? Karen Ann asked for... (laughs) (laughs) 
He's, he's so he's so offended. He's so, so upset. So I have a Google Drive folder <laughs> of all of those historical documents of all the training manuals, all the manuals at the state party I made, all the video trainings, all of it. I have it all in a Google Drive. You can go to Libertarian Training Center. or No, no that's what it used to be called. Go to um, libertyexplained.com, which is kind of my, like, the 10 years of effort that I put into, like, f- archiving libertarian resources is there. The good books, the good podcasts, the good websites. You know, a lot of it's kind of outdated now. All the trainings that I had found and collected over the years. There's a Libertarian Training Center. What's the PDF website that everybody reads? Uh, uh, I forget. Slide Deck or... I I forget, but it's, it's on there too, right? So this Google Drive, you click on resources and training and you can go to the drive and you can download all the old manuals, but you have to request access from me. Mm-hmm. And I gave everybody access. Yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. except when Karen Ann asked twice. <laughs> I didn't. I was just being petty. Yeah. And then when she asked for it in a an LNC group, I said eight dollars. So, but I eventually gave it to her because she is secretary, and I care about the institution more than I care about how ridiculous she is. I, I will say, while we were doing that, the calm that um, Dear Leader came in with today washed away instantly when we were bringing this up. Yeah. Yeah, it was immediately like, I, why did you remind yeah. me of this and misery? I, and I think we got one blood vessel to blood, pop in My. his eye. <laughs> all right, well, all right, so that's enough of this shit. All right, thanks so much for joining us here on the program. If you got something out of it, please share with your friends. You can share the timestamp of when we got to the real information. So people aren't like, who's this stranger bitching about his hard-boiled eggs? Um, But we uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for being patrons and supporting this kind of content. It's really important, especially now that we've got bills to pay. And, well, we always had bills to pay. If you saw what comes out of that wall checking account for all the phony baloney the, the bandwidth alone that Loki Wall is costing me right now uh, is ludicrous. You're welcome. Uh, the property tax. Five fucking hours for a show? Yeah, it happens once a month. It shouldn't. It's in Randall's contract. It's, how, it's, his, it's his fault. How Randall's do you, contract. How do you have that much to say? Even I don't have that much to say. Dude, we, we talk about all this stuff, dude. Yeah, it's Reinhold. Reinhold. We also have Reinhold, who, who has... <laughs> the entire library of Alexandria in his backyard. Yeah. I wonder how I need to go look at the download numbers for those six hour podcasts that we're putting in the podcast feed. <laughs> but you guys are killing me on bandwidth. My costs are going up because of these six hour shows. So Patreon. Uh, if you like the six hour shows, make sure you tell us slash we are libertarians and you can uh, support the network. And, and, and don't my, forget to remind uh, Spangled that fake live is not okay. And my dependents here. That, uh, that I have, that I can't claim on my taxes. All right, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. We really appreciate you. We love you. And we'll see you again soon. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.